Bastards podcast episode 36. We're going to spend the next hour mostly disagreeing about uh, music, but maybe also occasionally and very reluctantly um, agreeing about some stuff. <laughs> um, I'm joined as usual by Fran and Nick. How are you boys? I'm doing all right, uh, thank you. Yeah, doing okay. Um, well, I say that, we've just been talking for 10 minutes about how we're doing really, really badly. How everything's yeah. awful yeah. and we feel like shit. So I don't know what we're oh, talking shit. about. Just default no. to say, yeah, I'm fine. I don't know what the deal is. Well, it's it's no more shit than probably everyone else. That's true. We're surviving. Although, although Fran has been deaf for the past couple yeah. of weeks. Which is fun when you do a music podcast, um, you know. <laughs> Deafness is no, you know, it, you know. The listeners do not want to know the details of why I no. partially lost my hearing. It's not no, pleasant, but it's just, it's on its way back now. So yes, I can hear. It's worth something. Good, good. Well, um, hopefully you're able to listen to some of the albums this month, and uh, we're going to cover uh, this time round uh, "Bright Eyes" uh, with our album "Down in the Weeds," where the world once was. Uh, Deftones with Oms, Sufjan Stevens with The Ascension, Alicia Keys with Alicia. We have the classic album Woody Guthrie with Dust Bowl Ballads. And I've made a playlist uh, for Dizzy Rascal. Um, so let's get into this. Let's do it. I'm going to start with the question for Fran. What album was the most whimsical? Okay, so before I answer... I just want to congratulate Matt on the worst opening question in the history of the <laughs> Bastards. Um, Why? I spent quite a bit of my time um, trying to make a trophy for him while I couldn't hear. Uh, but I think the w- reason it was a really bad question is because there's only one option as an answer, isn't there, really? And that is the Bright Eyes album. Um, I suppose being whimsical has always been a bit of a bright eyes trait, um, a kind of desire to be a little bit witty and playful in the lyrics while also telling these sort of big grandiose stories um but yeah because your question was so bad i'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining why bright eyes are whimsical if you've heard bright eyes you already know that they're whimsical um and honestly for those who have or haven't heard bright eyes i think the main thing i can say about down in the weeds where the world once was is that it sounds like a bright eyes album it sounds like all of their albums um if you like Bright Eyes, you'll like this album. And if you don't like Bright Eyes, you won't like this album. Um, personally, I've never <laughs> That's really been a fan. right there. Wow. It's all you can say about a Bright Eyes <laughs> album, I think. Um, I've never really been a fan. I think they do some things quite well. Um, there's always a couple of okay songs per album. I think Just Once in the World is a good one on this album. Um, but there is something about them that potentially I find a little bit too whimsical. Um, <laughs> but then I'll be honest, I think part of the reason I don't like them... Um, more than I do is there was a girl I really fancied when I was at college and her boyfriend was a massive Bright Eyes fan and he was just a total prick who wore a straw hat and a denim jacket so now whenever I think of Bright Eyes I, I, I think of him and I think like I suppose he wanted to be whimsical as well so there you go maybe it wasn't a terrible question but I suppose that's not entirely the bad band's fault um, and I did have a little bit of optimism that i might like this because i was a big fan of the collaboration that conor burst did with phoebe bridges um it kind of made me get into his voice which i've always struggled with a little bit but at the end of the day like listening to this album i think the main thing i can do when listening to it is shrug my shoulders it really it it, it gives me no more emotion than that um it's kind of just very meh 
So yeah, that's about all I have to say about Bright Eyes. Okay. Cool. What do you reckon, Nick? Um, I can't really disagree uh, with Fran on this one, much as I love to. Um, this seems to me, and I, I'm not an expert on Bright Eyes at all or Connor Oberst's work, um, but there were a couple of things that really killed the album off for me. Um, one was, it sounds so um, rehashed. It sounds like I've heard it before from 10,000 indie folk bands and they're just doing it over and over again. Um, and in that sense, it sounded really tired, um, which, you know, it's not really enthusing when I'm listening to this, especially it was the first thing on the playlist as well. So every time I started the playlist, it was like, oh, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> the second thing was his voice. And this is just a personal thing. I, I, I just cannot stand his voice at all. It's so nasal and grating. Um, I just found it really whiny. And I found the witticisms that he tried to, sing through that voice to not be that witty as well so um i just didn't find it didn't land with me at all as, as exciting or, or fun um i think i might go so far as to say it, it kind of gives that indie uh folk kind of genre kind of a bad name in a way because it seems so enfeebled like deliberately enfeebled that <laughs> all the strokes of all the instruments are just so sort of limply hit it just seems like I just don't see the energy behind it at all. Um, in that sense, I, I just can't, can't, wouldn't go back to it, certainly. And I can't see what the excitement <laughs> is about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with Fran. It was, it was very meh, is the word he often uses. Mm. Cool. That's me. How do you spell that word? Right. <laughs> M-E-H. Yeah, that's how M-E-H. I spell it. Well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Is there another way to spell it? I don't know. I just, you know, you, a real word. Are you talking it? about? So it's not a real word. It's fair. It makes a fair point. It's not a real I just word. Are you talking about everybody the... spells it the way that I do. M e a. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. I think. It, I think it is a real word, isn't it? In the dictionary. Is it I a mean, real word though? Segwaying back to I... to apply to this album, Matt. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was taking <laughs> us off piece. Exactly. I was trying to steer, things, steer the ship back. <laughs> this is something reasonably relevant. It's supposed, supposed to be my job to keep us on track. Well, I think for me, it's it's a free for free uh, to start us off. It, I I have completely separate criticisms compared to you guys. I, it is a Mert album. Um, I think I found it weird. Like his singing style, I don't hate his voice, but they used a lot of interstitial in this album, like. Um, weird just samples and shit like that which is often works but he has quite a like a, a run-of-the-mill tone to his voice which is almost like talking anyway and so i found that kind of disorienting having like his regular kind of talking singing with a bunch of talking mixed in and <laughs> um, it was quite yeah it was just disorienting for me whining because um, i didn't know I think you mean to be fair yeah yeah I'll be it, yeah it, Try it was listening pretty to that whiny. while you were partially deaf that yeah. was very confusing. I didn't know if there was people outside my window or if it was the album. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, it's like some of the songs, like Forced Convales- Convalescence, they reminded me of other bands, uh, like um, Brand New. And they're like more alt-indie, emo in- emo as well. And mm. to think that like the, the forced melodrama that he's trying to have um, is reminding me of like early 2000s brand new. Mm. That, that isn't like, I like that 
from that time, but I'm, I, that's not a good thing for an album in 2020, I don't think. Um, and then, then the, I think the last... Bright Eyes were hugely influential on some of those bands, weren't they? And that's why what I'm getting, when I say they are, they, their albums have never really changed. They're still doing the same album they were doing back then. Yeah, so ex- it's... Ex- exactly. That's the massive mm. issue, right? It's it's 2020, and it's it's you've got to move a little bit. How long has this mm. been going then? This project or Connor? Bright Eyes. Connor's I mean, work? when was I in? I was in college in like. Uh, 2005 ish so at least since then i think there were a few albums in then okay yeah okay yeah it, ta- it just think yeah. it takes a lot of creative energy to manage to keep going for that length of time there are bands to do it of course we both know mm-hmm. we all yeah. know some of them but uh it's but, not uh it's not common and that's that's a tall the, order the, they also haven't released an album in a decade it's not like they've been yeah. working on this project so you'd expect them to be away from it and maybe evolve because right. they're doing other things well, I wasn't aware of that. Um, I thought they'd been going steadily all the way through. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I did a few solo albums solo and stuff, stuff with yeah. the, ah, which, right. which was better actually, if you ask me. I quite I quite liked his solo album that was about three, four years ago. And I really liked the better Oblivion Community Center with Phoebe Bridges. I think maybe because yeah. it's got another voice on it, it's not just his voice, because just his voice can be a bit much, I think. Yeah. The yeah, his album with Phoebe Bridges is pretty pretty damn good. Um I think the biggest thing that annoyed me about this album is just way too long. Like it's a it's a common thing I find. Like if you have slow paced music that's not really driven and going anywhere, you can't go on for like over an hour because it just really just drags. Mm. Yeah. So I just yeah like I like I think like Fran. I've never been into him, but this didn't change my opinion. I still think the best thing he's done is help discover Bonnie and that's it. <laughs> mm. I never did that. I don't know. Uh, did they, yeah, know. I championed him. I'm pretty no. sure. I'm pretty sure it was him. I could be wrong. Okay. It could have been someone else. Now, could be another. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. White, white dude who does mid, mid, middle of the road rock and indie. <laughs> wow, high praise for Bonnie cool. as well. Implicit in that, I think, but still, <laughs> he's one of my favourites. I know. Don't I you know. get stuck on Bonnie again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just change tracks then. Yep. Nick, what was the most thought-provoking album for you? Um, I'm going to go... Well, I'm going to say that what I'm going with is, is not really an obvious answer in a sense. I'm going to pick Deftones, um, oh. but I'm not really going to pick it. It made me think a lot about about what I didn't really like about it and what was what was flawed <laughs> in it in certain ways, <laughs> rather than it, it was a fantastic album, you know? Um, yeah. I didn't absolutely hate it but so the first thing i'll say is um i i have a little um meter on my sound card for like when sounds coming out of the speakers and it indicates i went no higher when it's louder and lower when it's quieter right this album after the first 30 seconds is completely flat on that meter for like an hour it's unbelievable how even it is almost entirely Mm. flat and i just felt like that really was indicative of of what the album felt like as well. It felt like it was, uh, I mean, well, I'll talk about what it's trying to be in a minute, but it felt like it was very boxed off. And obviously the, the, the issue is compression. There's so much compression on it that that's what's killed the dynamics and the energy in the performance. Um, but I think it doesn't want to do that. I think, I think my sense is that the band want to be heavy and dynamic and exciting. But it comes across because of this massive, massive amounts of compression as uh, two-dimensional 
you know, which I think is really, which is why I was sort of, why I said that it was thought-provoking, because it really made me wonder what, what is it about this? I mean, they are absolutely going, like, all out, balls to the wall to try and be as extreme as possible. And it comes across as very, very, I might even describe it as placid, honestly. That's, that, that's the tone of it to me. So it made me think, what, you know, what is, and this is a conversation we probably had before on here, I'm sure we have, about what heaviness is, you know? It, it, to me, the distortion is not equal heaviness. There's a lot of distortion on it, and there's a lot of loudness in it. That doesn't equal heaviness either, for me. It's much more about intensity and darkness for that to work, you know? And, and this album didn't come across as that intense or that dark because of these other technical issues I thought it had. So... Um, I, I understand, and I have actually looked into a little bit, actually doing some research for once, um, into White Pony, the, the one that everyone says is the classic and stuff of this band from 20 years ago odd. Um, and I heard that a little bit, and that is a more exciting prospect in the sense that it does something that's fresher at the time. Um, and I can see a bit more why that would drive some interest. Um, but this um, this really... I was, it's disappointing because I, I didn't, I didn't want to go into it feeling like you know I wanted to be really down on it, but it just didn't grab me, and it, it couldn't grab me because, as I say, it was very two-dimensional. So, so yeah, that's me on Deftones. Okay, cool. I might, I might jump in because yeah, yeah, I, I've, I found that interesting because I actually, so I found this like refreshingly different from everything else we covered, and really what I've been listening to recently, and. Mm. Um, I do like this genre um, and it has some of the kind of classical tropes, I think, in the way he like obviously screams slash sings and the big like walls of noise, um, which um, then give way to like quieter moments. Um, But I did find it interesting how like I've seen this album has been reviewed pretty highly in a lot of places. And I liked it, but I, I didn't see why it was maybe getting such... I don't understand why it's getting such high praise. And I think maybe what Nick is saying is actually something I hadn't thought about, but actually gets to the crux of why, for me, it's a, maybe a good album and not a great album. Because it did feel like... It felt big and it felt... For me, it felt noisy and loud and, and heavy to a certain extent, but it didn't feel like it was unleashed at any point mm. and so maybe that is what they've hamstrung themselves there with how they produced it yeah um but yeah, if you I turn think... everything up to 11 at all times then <laughs> nobody knows any different do they After yeah a while yeah That's but... i don't know i like considering the genre and everything that's going it and like their history to me it didn't actually sound that dated which was i think nice um I don't know why, but to me it sounded maybe it's just because I'm not listening to anything else like this, mm. and so it sounded fresh just because of the context. Um, um, but yeah, I I I'd say I enjoyed this album and it was good. But I like I I I've been seeing people maybe putting it forward as one of their albums of the year, mm. and that's it's not coming close to that for me. Fair enough. Is that you? Yeah. Okay. Well. Um... I don't know if either of you heard the story this week about the Deftones guitarist Stephen Carpenter. Um, I didn't. But apparently, no. basically, he appeared on a conspiracy podcast in the US um, and admitted oh. several things. Okay, so one was that he's a flat earther. Um, 
Two, he said he thinks it's physically impossible to catch a virus from another person and that all viruses come from poisons or toxins that are already within you. And three, he said that no vaccine in history has ever worked. Um, at this point, the host of the series, who is a conspiracy theorist, pointed out the polio vaccine and uh, Stephen Carpenter <laughs> claimed that never happened. Um, so, yeah, so obviously all that is crazy. <laughs> But I'm kind of glad it came out when it did because it I gave know, it me seems, something. It seems kind of persuasive to me. I just, uh, you reckon? Seems, seems logic. No, not oh, at all. God. Yeah, I mean, it's not interesting. Even even the NME, who a terrible now, wrote this really scathing article about him. So it was quite it's quite interesting. Mm. But in a way, I was glad this all came out when it did because it gave me something to say about an album that I otherwise would have had nothing really to say about. Um, <laughs> this is kind of the music I would expect a flat earther to put out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just feels very juvenile and i find it very hard to take it seriously um there's lots of screaming and lots of wailing and lots of every instrument being played at once and then a lot of lyrics that don't really mean anything if you delve into them um and then i think you know nick you just talked about it always being the same you know levels but i felt like they did attempt some light and shade but that really didn't work i felt like when they slowed it down on a song or even part of a song it felt like they were saying they were really worthy and important in a way that just didn't do anything for me. So, yeah, it didn't do anything for me at all. Um, but I know they're a very loved band. And I know that this album, I think one of the reasons you're seeing so many strong reviews for it and people excited is they haven't been around for a while. And also they returned, they had the producer who made, who produced White Pony. Um, is White Pony the right name? Yeah, I think yeah that's is. right. Um, so I think people are really excited about apparently it's sounding, it being the first album that sounded like that one um for a while um but yeah I'm, I'm happy to sort of hold my hands up here and say it's it's really not my kind of music um so i'm not the best reviewer for it but i've always struggled to take this kind of music seriously it's just very dramatic very overblown and you know these guys are pretty old now and it feels like something that you know some teenagers would do at a, a school band you know battle of the bands or something so yeah <laughs> that's where i landed with deftones um really not my thing at all I think that might be a little harsh, but <laughs> then again, this guy is an absolute idiot, and mm, I'm going to take my, my lukewarm review and tell say it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to yeah, be no. some kind of gag about the fact that I called it 2D, and he said the earth yeah. is flat. <laughs> There's yeah, got to be some was, kind of connection, yeah. but I can't think quite where I it was, works. I was thinking about that. That is uh, <laughs> ironic. Yeah. I mean, I, if, I'm, if I don't recommend the album, I highly recommend listening to the podcast in which he claims all that stuff, because it's, it's, it's a fun listen. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's the right word. I'm not going to give him any airtime. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, it's quite entertaining just to know that you know he's very adamant. Um, The earth is flat, man. Just deal with it, okay? Yeah. Cool. Uh, Yeah, we'll have to have a word after this about (laughs) our friendship. (laughs) Right, science boy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right. So maybe we'll carry on and. And I'll ask uh, Nick what his favourite album was. Um, I think I'm going to go with Alicia Keys. Alicia, um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hate this album. Um, it's probably the <laughs> favourite. I didn't hate it. Yeah, it's probably the best of, of the bunch. Yeah, um, I think in particular uh, it had some really strong features on it. Um, which really lifted it to a, a, a sort of refreshing uh, level. I've not been a fan in the past of Alicia Keys' music, to what to the extent I know of it. Um, 
And I think a lot of this album doesn't sound too much like that. It sounds a bit different, a bit fresher. Um, so, for example, Three, three Hour Drive with Samfer on it is probably the best track, I think. Um, it has this really interesting pacing and the changes, sort of pacing changes and also the production changes all the way through. Um, although I will say, I, I feel like it sounds more like his track than hers in a way. It sounds more like the kind Stealing of... Stealing my notes, Nick. Sorry? Oh, Stealing okay. my notes. Sorry. Um, yeah, they sound nothing like at all. No, it's, it does sound more like his track uh, than hers, to be honest. So then there's the Jill Scott feature um, further down the, the track listing. I think it's near the end, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. And uh, that one also is a strong song, and uh, the the whole the voice Jill's voice is really smooth and sort of warmer than Alicia Keys's, and I, I really enjoy that as well. Um, and I remember talking about Jill Scott's album we did, didn't we? Some yeah, sometime yeah. earlier this year was it, or was it last year? And uh, how it was, I think this cons- this was consistent with my comments about that, which was the album, the song makes you really smile. It's a, she's smiling through this song, mm-hmm. like it sounds like, you know, and it's just something very happy and pleasant about it, which I, I've, I found quite nice. She, on the downside of the album, um, when the album gets a lot weaker, when she goes into more sort of heart-stringing uh, tracks of, like, about like pulling sort of empowerment narratives out of the out of the bag, which I feel like is what a lot of the songs I've heard from her before um, have done. I I think particularly the weakest song on the album is Underdog, which I think is really... um, I mean, it's like a cheese factory uh, of facile kind of good sentiments. Um, I wrote a lyric actually out of it. Um, They said I would never make it, but I was built to break the mould. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. How that's moving. Something you'd write, I think. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much. <laughs> how, <laughs> how moving, yeah. So, um, and then I think the only thing I'd say on the downside was I, I got the impression that, 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 and this is not a bad thing, I suppose, it wants to be like the Solange album that we covered some long time ago now, um, uh, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I think it, it, the, multi-harmony, sorry, the multi-harmony parts in a lot of the tracks, is, it sounds very Solange-like. Um, I don't think it's as good as the album, but it's it's I'm glad it's reaching for that, uh, and as I say, I think there's some up there's some positives in it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it overall. I don't know if I'll jump back to it, but it might cross my path again in the future. That's me. What about you, Fran? So yeah, I mean, I'd never heard a Alicia Keys album before this one. Um, from the singles I'd heard, I, I I'd always really admired her voice. I think she's got an outstanding voice, um, but I'd never really been convinced that an album would do it for me. Um, I think after doing the podcast uh, for the last few years and really enjoying albums from the likes of Solange, Scissor, Beyonce and Jill Scott, I thought it was probably worth giving Alicia Keys a go because I know she's, you know, considered to be up there. Um, And yeah, I am glad that I did give it a go. I think um, it doesn't match up to any of those four that I've just mentioned for me. But of the four new recent releases on this month's list, it was was definitely the album I found most interesting and enjoyable. I think she has a good mix of the sort of funky sound and I don't necessarily agree with Nick about the empowerment side of the ballads. I think um, Underdog, to be honest, I can't even think of that song, but there were some of the slower empowering songs that I kind of liked. Um, I really enjoyed Time Machine and Authors of Forever. Nick's already said this next one, but I think, um, you know, she nails it with the guests on this album. I think Three Hour Drive is great, although it does sound like it should be on the Sampler album. Um I really like Me Time 7 with uh, Tierra Wack. Um, I think that's probably like the big power anthem on the album, but I mean that in a good way. Uh, I think I'd read 
that this album with Alicia, you know, going for a self-titled album, it was meant to be like her big, powerful, personal album. And I think this song really sort of works well as like a, you know, self-care sort of song. I think the Jill Scott song is really good. But then I actually really like Gramercy Park, which um, I think that's probably my favourite here, which I would say is on her own and is probably one of the ballads. Um, it kind of made me think of like a modern update of a Tracy Chapman song. Um, and I like Love Looks Better, Love Looks Better, which is, again, another very poppy sort of song. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good album. I'm glad I picked it. I'm glad I listened to it. But if I'm being honest, I think it's good at a level that I enjoyed it while I listened to it and it stood out over the other recent releases on this this episode but i'm unlikely to probably listen to it again i might add a couple of songs to some playlists but i can't see me sort of going back to listen to the album again so yeah i enjoyed it but that's kind of where it ends i suppose cool okay yeah so for, for me this uh i guess a similar sentiment of this didn't at any point feel like an amazing album it was mm. good i like if I was doing something, I was like cooking or something, this would be the album on the list I'd put on. Um, <laughs> soundtrack just to cooking. It had, like, <laughs> it had like a nice vibe. Because um, it is like, I don't know if, um, the, yeah, the positive messaging coming out of it, it's it's nice to listen to these days. Um, I don't think see that as much as a negative broadly. Um but that said, I do agree with Nick about Underdog. It does go, I think it treads that line very, 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 it's right on the line. And sometimes it's too much. And then other times I listen to it and it it it's super effective and catchy. But I wouldn't be surprised in like a couple of months if this is all over like car commercials and also oh. Oh, yeah. like series finales for dramas and shit like that um like so it it, yeah it it was a lot um i found it interesting that both of you talk about the santha and the tierra whack features i thought they i was really excited to see them on the album list and i was disappointed at both of them Really? I, thought, I wasn't talking about Tierra Wack actually. Is that one that Fran mentioned? I, that's not one I yeah, was talking about. Yeah, Tierra Wack. Me time seven. I think that's one of the best tracks, personally. I yeah, I just thought the beats in it were just so plodding and boring, and it was just nothing. It just gave Tierra nothing to work with, um, and so like her resulting bars on it just aren't that interesting. I think she can be a really dynamic um, uh, rapper. It's very different to her just, music, isn't it? I suppose so. Yeah, I, I just I just think she was not given really anything to really show her skills, um, which disappointed me. And the Sanfa song, I just like, I've heard so many good Sanfa songs or Sanfa features, and this it doesn't compare to the others. I don't think. Um, I found it also a little boring. So, but it was the I, most yeah. melodically complicated, wasn't it? The verse lines and stuff. Were, it yeah, to maybe in the context of the album. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, consi- I'm considering Pairing the context him, of yeah. yeah, like he can come in and really make something happen. Right, I see and, what you're saying. Yeah, and but yeah, like overall, it was yeah, the album was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> not meh. Like, fine, not meh. So, yeah, an upgrade from like, it might be, yeah, it might, I think it might be the best on the list, maybe, but maybe not. I'm not sure. We'll see. Well, you should go next with something anyway, since... Uh, yeah, start us off with something, Matt. Yeah, yeah. let's, let's 
Um, let's start with Sufjan. Okay. Um, just because I found so I found this album a little interesting. I've never really been big into him. Like, I know some people are obsessed. Like, we're covering both like Bright Ties and Sufjan. I know a lot of people are obsessed with both these artists and listen to everything they ever make. And I've tried with both of them in the past, and maybe I like a song here and there, and never much more than that. Um, I found this album a little surprising for my expectations because it's a lot weirder than I was expecting. Um, and it's weird in ways which I, I typically like. There's a lot of, like, just computer noises and <laughs> lots of synths and stuff like that. And it's, like, quirky in a non-obstructive uh, way. It's very, like, quirky and kind of interesting, but not really that hard or challenging to listen to. Um, and so songs like uh, Video Game I, I found really uh, really engaging I think because it's kind of weird and a lot of the album just isn't that um, uh, I guess it's less straightforward and they're more straight more straightforward pop songs are really nice like um, temp poles holding up the whole album that draw your attention towards them and video again really is that for me i actually it's one of the few songs that i actually felt like i i like the lyrics quite a lot as well um because it did feel like it's talking about current society and just uh gamification of life and his rejection of that um which i think is really pertinent with like facebook and all that bullshit that um <laughs> is controlling our lives these days um and i just yeah i like because it also it's video game it had lots of beeps and bops in it like a video game <laughs> um but overall i thought the album the album was again like way too long it's super indulgent there are a few songs that like felt snappy um but Often I'd feel like after three minutes in a song, he'd explored that space and then he'd carry the song on for six. Um, and so that, to me, was just, yeah. That was... 12 what, at one point, right? It was a 12-minute song. Yeah, it? yeah. And just, he doesn't, like, often when people go for a 12-minute song, they're continually changing, continually evolving throughout the song. And this felt like a lot, quite repetitive. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that's how I felt about it. Who do you want to go? You want to go to? You're in charge. Oh, that's Nick. I'm agonise it by that long. <laughs> There's only two <laughs> options and we're both going to speak. So. Well, well, often someone jumps in and they're like, oh, I really want to talk now. Yeah. Um, I can talk. That's fine. Um, so <laughs> No uh, one really wants to talk about this album. I, I know. Guess. Yeah, exactly. That's what's going on, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I didn't know... Uh, this artist very well uh, at all, but I really wasn't expecting this album to be like it is. Um, mm. I, I really thought it would be a lot more uh, straight-laced, honestly, um, and not have as many synth elements, as much um, kind of the the, the pinging and, bo- and beeps and bops of the video game, etc., like you were referring <laughs> to, Matt. All that stuff is... is yeah, exa- exactly. It's, re- it's really... Um, not, I expected it to be much more straight down the line, as I say. And in the end, it was very dreamy in a way that I was expecting in terms of the vocals. Um, very kind of dream poppy kind of model. Um, but I think um, 
where it fell down for me, I think it was very long. I think that's that's true. But also, um, I felt like the beats were really, really stilted and awkward. Um, it was it was very uh, almost uncomfortable to hear sometimes. I don't mean on the ears. I just mean it just felt like yeah, super awkward that they he was trying to do these these beats, which seemed to me gave the impression at least that he wasn't a drummer and wasn't using a drummer. That he was like just trying to put them together himself. Um, and if that's the case, um, and I can, you know, I can sympathise because I'm also along these lines, my, my own stuff. But I, I just felt like it, it didn't come across as flowing in a way that mm. I could really get behind. Um, it seemed to be a lot of jumps and then pullbacks and then kind of clunky, I suppose is the word I might use for it. It never seems to sort of settle. Um, I So I appreciate that it's trying something new from what I vaguely understood to be the past work he'd done. And I think it's... I think it's a lot better than the bright eyes for that reason alone. Um, but in the end, it didn't just didn't seem comfortable in its own skin, really, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, and as Matt said, I think it was, I agree, it was, it was super long, which is mm. for, for what it had to offer. So, yeah, so I wasn't in love with it, no, but better than the bright eyes. So, yeah, that's me, yeah. Frank. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I, I picked this album, and there was a few reasons for that. I think I've, I've wanted to get into Sufjan Stevens for quite a long time. I think um, I've considered choosing him as the classic on here and I've waited for like a full full length solo album so I could so I could put it on the podcast and um and I think that's because I feel like on reputation I should be a massive fan of his. I think he's known for writing pretty bleak and introspective music, which is kind of my thing. Um he was very folky originally and has branched out a bit since then and, and he works with loads of the artists that I love, sort of national, one of their and a lot more, like a lot of my favourite artists work quite closely with him. Um, so I feel like I should be a fan. But on the evidence of this album, um, the only the only one that I've listened to, really, I can't say that I am. I think I found it to be overly long, quite meandering, um, and a bit of a slog. Um, I think it's very samey. I think, you know, a lot of the songs sound identical. And, and the glitchy electronic sound that he's gone for is just not very exciting. Um, it's similar to what Nick said there. I don't think they... They do a lot with with the experimentation. I think maybe he didn't go far enough with that. Um, I feel like some of the songs might have been better if he'd have just, you know, I I think he writes most of his music with just with a guitar, and I think they may have been better if he just stayed with an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, he did the soundtrack to uh, a film um last year. I can't remember the name of the film. Um, Call Me by Your Name. Um. And, you know, there's yeah. just three or four songs on the EP that um, they, they're stunning, really lovely little songs, and they're, they're just acoustic. Um, I mean, there are tracks that I, I quite like. I like video games, um, and I like the title song, but I struggle to see how this album justifies being 80 minutes long. Um, I, I don't think it has many ideas. Um, so, yeah, I think in the end it's not really the one for me. I didn't dislike it enough to make me not want to listen to any more of his stuff. Um, it was better than The Bright Eyes. It was much, much better than the Deftones. Um, but from everything I've heard about him, I, I want to go and listen to Carrie and Lau, which I've, I've, I've thought about doing as the classic on here several times. Uh, I think from the sound of it, I'll probably love that album from everything I've heard about it, but I won't be returning to this album, that's for sure. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good... Like, I've heard songs from his previous albums and they're much better. This This does feel like he's experimenting with his new sounds for the first mm. time. And as a result, he's finding stuff out that people yeah. have found out before. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it's it exciting feel to original, him. Does it? <laughs> That's a very good but, point, yeah. 
Yeah. But to follow yeah. on from like from because you know because he has worked with Bonavere and I, I know they are friends. Yeah. And you think about I know and Nick, you're not Saint a fan, Vincent but if you think about well. the stuff that Bonavere's done, yeah. it's so much more interesting than this in terms of the the glitchiness and the you know using a bit of a folky sound with electronics and it, it just doesn't really come off on this album. But yeah, like you, Matt, the odd song that I've heard over the years, I've loved and you know so I and carrying loud. I, I know Mike who came on the podcast previously, he played it to me once but we were very hammered and it's a very miserable album <laughs> i loved the sound of it at the time but i was like this is not you know it's not the mood for it so um i think i will go back to that album but that's yeah that'll be my next thing with him i think rather than this one again cool so i leave you want to kick us off fran with uh woody yeah woody guffrey okay so yeah dust ball ballad so firstly yeah i just i want to say i really appreciated getting to spend some time with a woody guffrey album um given how much I love folk music and, uh, you know, he's always been someone I've wanted to dig into. I actually know loads You're about him. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Well done. <laughs> um, I don't know why I never thought to put it on, but um, I actually kind of know loads about him as a person without actually knowing any of his music. And I even went to like a full fest, full day long festival of people performing <laughs> his songs and songs influenced by him. And, you know, he's a, he's a fascinating person. Um, and I don't, I think a lot of my favourite artists, um, you know, from Bob Dylan to the tallest man on earth, like, they probably wouldn't exist in the form they do if it wasn't for him. So I owe a huge debt to him in terms of, you know, the people he's influenced. Um, so I'm really glad to spend some time listening to him. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the music, though, this this is the oldest classic he's done. Um, and I think that was definitely apparent. It feels very old. Um, but unlike a lot of the classics we cover, I don't really think that was to its detriment. I think, you know, this music must have seemed absolutely revolutionary when it came out in the 40s. It, you know, it was, I was reading that apparently it's the first ever concept album um, and it's some of the first ever studio recorded protest music. Um, and I think the power and importance of it still still comes across today. Um, you know, I love the sentiment of it. I love the simplicity. simplicity I love the humour. I love the storytelling in it. I know it sounds ancient, but I don't. I don't care really. I think it's you know. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and without this album and the stuff we did after, I think a lot of the music that I I love today wouldn't be about. So it was just yeah. I just really enjoyed listening to it. Um, and I think of all the classics we've done, and I'm not saying I'm going to listen to this again and again because you know it does sound very old, but it's it's the most I've enjoyed a classic album uh, the whole time we've been doing the podcast. So yeah, wow, Got a lot from it. Matt, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so that's actually one of the reasons I picked it because um, um, I'd heard he'd made one of the first concept albums and it, he is so influential and obviously with the election at the moment and his um, his songs being used by people who don't necessarily represent his values, mm. I thought it would be worth digging in. Um, and yeah, so like this whole experience listening to it, I found really uh, interesting. It's a time period... I I um, have really enjoyed reading about in the past. I'm a, I, I, I'm a big fan of John Steinbeck's work, and so this felt like a very um, a partner to some of the, like Grapes of Wrath and stuff like that. And uh, but like more more to this, it, it, the very like literal storytelling he's telling is really really uh, effective. And compared to some of the lyricism in some of the other tracks we've covered uh, uh, today, it, it's so much more effective. And even though it's very, very straightforward, it's hugely, it's very funny. It's very evocative. And 
even though it does feel like a historical document and sometimes the other times it just feels very emotive and yeah. i think to have an album which is covering these uh tr- like traumatic events for so many people and to cover all the different aspects of it like it's not just life shit life shit life still shit um <laughs> he's, he's covering like the optimism he's covering um the struggle and he's covering all like lots of different aspects of it um and so i i found that really uh like refreshing because a lot of people when they write a song an album like this or a concept album they don't it's often one-dimensional um and so yeah i just i really really actually enjoyed the lyrics far more than i have done in uh, anything recently um Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, obviously, musically, it's a little less dimensional than modern day folk, like <laughs> Sufjan. <laughs> but I don't think that's to its detriment, uh, as Fran says. So I, I just uh, generally really enjoyed this. I think it's really interesting before you cut in, Nick. I think um, you mentioned the election at the start there, and that festival I was talking about that I went to, there was this guy who performed uh, a load of. Uh, Woody Guthrie songs that were actually about um, Trump's dad, Fred Fred Trump, is it? Um, there were all these like anti Fred Trump songs because apparently he, you know, he owned a lot of housing and he brought in all in these these laws that stopped black people from buying these rules that stopped black people from buying all this housing and and Woody Guthrie did a whole album of anti Fred Trump songs, so wow. it was yeah. definitely a good time to uh, to listen to it and it's worth checking those those songs out as well. Yeah, Matt can speak to that yeah. in New York or Trump's mm. legacy and what he made his money off as a family. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and the disgraceful yeah, yeah, behavior they engage with. Yeah, yeah, I think actually before again, sorry Nick, but he, he did say in one of his songs that wherever folks are struggling, I'll be there and to write music about it and yeah. to document it and yeah. <laughs> And you've got to say, like Bob Dylan, like if you if you look what Bob Dylan did after, he he is so indebted to this guy, isn't he? And it's you know amazing to see yeah. someone like Dylan's going to have the career like he has, obviously. But um, but yeah, Nick, you go. Um, yeah, so I would say uh, I'll start with a caveat, really, which is I, I uh, this is really stretching the notion of it being an album we can judge here to me um, because it's more of a of a historical artifact. Than, than it is like a piece of like a musical collection of songs that we we can kind of enjoy or not enjoy it feels like it's first of all it both in terms of its weight it's, it's in significance it's importance obviously anyone who thinks Woody Guthrie is not important is, is obviously insane the list of people who are influenced by by him is is absolutely absurd an entire genre basically you could argue um so that's that's really crucial of course um but also uh, and the history of the time is really rendered well, but again, it, it still didn't seem to me as I tried to get into this album personally, like it was actually something that I was able to to judge as a piece of music. And, and one thing that was a bit unnerving to me was was that I, I discovered that a lot of the songs were from are based on older melodic structures that he was using and writing new lyrics over, oh, which okay. is they were like traditional. Not, I don't know if they were folk at that point, but they were traditional songs that he kind of co-opted and used in different ways, which I think is very interesting. And I have no, I'm not offended by it at all, but I, I mm. did think it kind of um, made it even more complicated to understand how I'm supposed to judge this album by this artist 
when it's so significant, when it's so historical, when it's built out of this even longer lineage of music. So that made it really difficult for me, I have to say. Um, But if we try and push past that stuff, um, I found it very interesting to hear... I mean, the stories in it were very interesting. I thought the actual... Because I would say this, wouldn't I? The, the actual like recording of it, um, <laughs> I, I I was really interested in. It just sounded amazing to hear some to hear like through that through that kind of telescope almost, you know, kind of through that sonic telescope, you know, that that tiny sound that's being generated by these these. It's probably the whole thing on one mic. Um, I found that really fascinating, you know, to to hear back through time in that way. Mm. Um, I, f- I thought that was really interesting. Um, obviously, it's it's very informative and very uh, sort of clever about the sort of cultural concerns it talks about in the in in, in the Dust Bowl, and you know uh, it has an awful lot to say about that. And I can see why it's so influential on that basis. Um, at the same time, as I say, I'm glad I heard heard it, but if I'm honest, I, I can't imagine I'll be going back to it um, just because. Again, it, it feels like I'm going to a museum, not listening mm. to an album, uh, mm-hmm. a, a fascinating museum with a lot going on. But still, that's not what I'm in this for. So, as much as I loved it, I don't think I disagree with that. I don't think I'll like. It's not something I'll, I'll listen to a lot. I probably will listen to more of his stuff now, just to get more of a experience of his his career and stuff. But it's yeah. it is more an enjoyment of seeing where you know the stuff that came from it. And I think it's so apparent the stuff that came from it. And yeah. um, I will and say also, that. I think you said he influenced the whole genre, but I actually think it's even more than that. Like protest music in general. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes across the genres, you know. You, you could even make an argument that something like NWA yeah. would have, you know, not have yeah, yeah. come around if protest music hadn't been a thing. So it's kind I, of fascinating I, just I, to look at it. In it that is respect. fascinating, and I think it's valid to, to really um, praise it on that basis, absolutely. But I will say that I'm always a bit skeptical of the lineage argument about this person is is good because they did something before yeah. other people did it. Like, yeah. you could, I mean, basically you got to go back to what we're going to go back to Beethoven or what. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a line there and music and, it, and it, it continues and people make better or worse pieces of work during that process. You know, he's made a good piece of work. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad, mm. but it, you know, no, as, yeah, I agree. As, as, as someone, if someone music, was here talking about the Beatles, I'd be telling yeah. them to fuck off because I can't or, or Elvis Beatles, or, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are, you know, who've done a lot of things which have made a big impact, which, you know, is, is not actually yeah. significant to me. But anyway, yeah, so no, I th- yeah. I'm not slaying it. I'm not really not. But I just thought there was there was a real challenge for me to get into that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's actually some really interesting points there because especially as he was, I guess, fortunate enough to be there at the transition point where people were going from their spoken tradition of sharing stories using, I guess, the same music or mm. similar music. Mm. Mm. And then he was lucky enough to be able to actually put that on tape. Um, and then that can be distributed and shared as opposed to like someone else who may have came up with some of these bars originally. And it was 40 years before or, or whatever. Mm. Um, I think you'd had to have been, you would, you, that's right in a respect, but also you would have had to be someone who, you know, the reason Woody Guthrie was the one who broke in some ways is because of what he was saying in his songs and what he was able to oh, put forth. So 100%. I think it's, you know, there's a combination of the the timing, obviously, but also, you know, someone could have been there who was who was writing terrible songs that were saying nothing and they didn't break. So I think it's kind of, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a really interesting thing. It's really interesting to do an album as old as this and think about it in that mm. respect, I think. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's I yeah. Good stuff. Woody <laughs> <laughs> Guthrie for that endorsement. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so but, I slight change of pace. 
Well, that's that's the way it was in the playlist, and I, yeah, I yeah. very much enjoyed that. Um, but I guess before before I talk about Dizzy, um, yeah, let's let's talk about the playlist as a whole. Um, I, I I'll jump in and just say I thought most of this was pretty weak. Nothing grabbed me. I wasn't that excited about anything. I enjoyed Woody quite a lot, just as like we've discussed it was an intellectual on a learning experience but it i'm like like you guys say i'm not going to put this probably on again unless i go maybe if i go camping <laughs> it feels appropriate for that um, in the dust bowl yeah exactly. yeah well i just yeah i feel like that might have the right vibe yeah. but everything else especially especially now i'm downgrading deftones it was pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah. album yeah. What do you um, guys reckon? For me, it was weird because it could have. This could have been a episode where we just done classic albums. Um, you know, all of the artists on this are people who are quite well, you know, well known, well respected. They all could have had albums that we could have put forward as a classic, um, which I don't think has happened before. It didn't, and and, point, and nothing yeah. on it, not a single thing on it, felt fresh and interesting mm. and new. It felt like a lot of classic albums that. Um, you know the thing I've had with classic or weaker albums versions throughout. of classic albums, even. So I yeah, but so even yeah. Some of the classics we've done. If we look at the classics that we've done a lot of the time, I've come away from it going, okay, I'm interested that I listen to it, but it didn't really do a lot for me. And that was, you know, if any of these had been a classic album, would have thought, okay, well, I'm glad I've now listened to a Bright Eyes album, but I won't do it again. And that is kind of what I came away with. I think other than the Sufian made me think, okay, I want to listen to more of his stuff, but not this one. And Alicia was fun. I won't listen to it again. Woody Guthrie, I really yeah. enjoyed, but in general, it felt like a lot of classics. Um, that that I wouldn't go back to. Interesting point of view. Yeah, I, I see I what you're saying. Worth you're listening saying. to Alicia's debut. Um, yeah, I I have listened to that in the past and I I enjoyed it a lot. I listened to it when it came out as well. Like, what was the really famous so made... single from that one? Can you remember? Um, no, no, no. Fallen? I haven't. Li- I keep on well, falling. Yeah, falling. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't yeah. listened to it in a while, but I I think it's good. <laughs> Wow. I would, yeah, I would, I would yeah. listen to more of her stuff. Like, she's got a good voice. And I did, that was the one of the new releases that did anything for me. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, this was... If, if we compare it to the previous month's list, um, where we had... I mean, disregarding the fact we had SFA, um, we had Jane's Addiction that I liked, Sev Delisa I really liked, and Apollo Brown. Um, Shea Yeah, sorry, Shea I have Sorry, <laughs> apologies. That's yeah. on my notes. Um yeah, so compared to that list, uh, this list was was really um, not exciting, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, we we I, I didn't come back to it. I never came back to it and thought, like, oh, I can't wait for the high point of this. It just felt there was no high point. Uh, they were louder bits and quieter bits, but that's about <laughs> as far as it went. So yeah, and and again, this is not to be dismissed with the Woody Guthrie because I, I think that's really really interesting, but not musically something I, I would come back to either. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was uh, disappointing altogether. Well, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> that changes because of we'll Dizzy. see, won't we? Say nothing. Yeah, <laughs> keep you on tender hooks. Um, so I I suggested Dizzy because um, I think he's uh, he's a massively important artist for me. I absolutely I love him, um, but also I think really important for uh, British music in general. And I I was obsessed with him. For most of like the mid to late noughties, 
and then have recently uh, kind of rekindled my love for his music recently. Um, and so I think for me, I really got on board when he, um, I actually mi missed the train for when he did Boy in the Corner, but I came on board for Showtime, which is the subsequent album, his uh, uh, second album. And I was really, really, really into it. And then by the time his third album, Mass in English, came out, um, and he had the song Sirens, and I was legit obsessed with him. And I think for that song specifically, it's just such a massive sound. And I remember watching the video and just, it's so, like, astute and also, like, politically and also visceral. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, like him being chased around by um, fox hunters through London. Uh, uh, yeah, and no, I remember it now you said that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it's and the, just the colouring of everything, it's really, really, um, really visceral, a really good video. Um, and, yeah, but then he can produce something like that, and at the same time he's producing some absolute, like, um, for better or worse, some absolute pop bangers, like some real, like really good dance tracks that are going to chart super high. Um, and he seems like, regardless of the style of music, he's making something that's he seems to really, really enjoy and is having a lot of fun. And so, in the playlist, I try to cover all, all of that. Um, even even if I know you're not necessarily going to be into a Calvin Harris track, I think it uh, shows um, it's more as a reference. Uh, for you um, and so the, the, like the two reasons I think that he's such an important figure really for like UK music is he was instrumental in really bringing hip-hop into the UK ma mainstream I think and he, like when Boy in the Corner came out it was obviously massive I, I wasn't massively into it at the time but I remember a lot of people talking about it. I remember a lot of people being excited about it. And then since going back to it, I, I know obviously how, how good an album it is. Um, and it's because he's making these very astute, very, um, like at times hard-edged hip-hop songs. But then they also have a pop, they, he also has poppy songs as well, like um, Fix Up Look Sharp. And that has chart appeal and like, people from both sides then are kind of looking down upon it but also it's irresistible and and so I, I found that really interesting and then he's obviously pioneered the individual like UK sound UK hip-hop as opposed to just taking something from America and having an American sound and like he is one of the founding fathers of the scene that we currently have which so many people lord and he him and like Wiley for better and worse like Wiley's often considered the, like the godfather of grime right um but he's well, yeah he's a bit of a dick and it's so. ruined himself recently hasn't he <laughs> yeah but, and yeah. and like Dizzy was there alongside him and um, but more willing to branch out into more different commercially viable sounds which ultimately helped the genre um and I he came out with an album two weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, and he's now returning in the past couple albums as well. He's returning away from his days of Calvin Harris and Armin van Halden. He's got getting his more more grimier sound back, but he's still got dance tracks in it as well. So, and 
he's yeah he's just a really interesting individual making really fun music um so i hope you enjoyed at least some of it can i ask you a question before we get into our comments yeah what was the basis for the order of the playlist because if i understand correctly it's not just chronological is that right yeah i just put songs in an order i liked <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, could you explain them, expand upon them a bit more? <laughs> okay, I get the gist. I tried, I tried to put some similar songs together, but I also tried not to put um, any songs from the same album together. Mm. Um, so that it somewhat flowed, but had variety across. And then I chucked nutcrackers on the end because I thought it was funny. Who do you want to go to, Mark? Who do you want to talk about it? Um, well, let's start with Nick. Okay, um, so yeah, uh, this is, um, in a way, even though there's some political stuff in this, and a lot of political stuff in this, this is a really joyous album, I felt like. The energy behind it was um, something that I really got behind and really found kind of infectious, I think is a word you used as well, Matt. Um, yeah. It's really, um, obviously, it's sort of frenzied and driving all the way through, almost all the way through, um, and... I, I really generally enjoyed that. I think the best, um, although I don't love the actual song, the best example of the kind of music that I think it sums up the music is, is I Love You, actually. Because mm. although the, the sample I find is a little bit irritating, the actual is kind of orally exhausting. Like it's it's just insanely, the, 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 the sort of overload of the of the kick on that and the, and the general tone of it is just so extreme. Um, that it's really hard to uh, keep up with it almost, it feels like, which I, which I really actually enjoyed. Um, I thought also that my favourite track on it was Sirens, I think it's one you mentioned as well. Um, yeah. I love how it's got those sort of heavily distorted guitars that sit with the kind of, there's a, there's a I don't know if it's a crash or a ride symbol, but there's a symbol that goes all the way through it that's, that's really overdriven as well. And, yeah. the, and the guitars sit with that symbol all the way through and I, I thought the two matched together really, really well. It was It was really well put together. So I think it... Um, it showed a lot of actual thought and delicacy had gone into um, the production of this album. It wasn't thrown together. This playlist, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, the songs that weren't thrown together. So, and I also liked. Um, uh, although I don't, th- I don't, I doubt Fran will, but I liked uh, Revin because it had Ocean's Wisdom on it, who we covered a yeah. long, long time ago, and his absolutely lunatic speed of flow. Um, which uh, I, I always find kind of intriguing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it seemed to me to be a really a party-orientated playlist. And uh, obviously, as somebody who's you know really party-orientated and, <laughs> and full of energy yeah. and loves to dance and stuff, you know, it, it fits perfectly. No, I, I could I could see where it's coming from. I really I really got into it, and I will listen to it again. Um, this playlist in particular, I don't know about every album, but um, yeah, it worked worked out really well for me. Yeah, so thank you for introducing it. Nice. I wasn't sure that that would be your yeah. reaction, Nick, if I'm being honest. No, okay. I, I wasn't, sure I wasn't expecting it. Mm. Really? Okay. I yeah. was bracing for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said, like at least some of it at the end of his comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I fucking love this playlist. Um, I think it's probably my favorite why I love playlist that we've had that I didn't create. Um <laughs> I mean, obviously, well, fuck you then. Thanks very much. on the mind are better, but um, <laughs> I fucking loved it. Um, it was really good to spend some time with Dizzy because I think what happened, it's interesting hearing you talk, Matt, about um, about how you got into him with the second album. What's the second album? Showtime. Showtime. Um, because I loved Boy in the Corner, the debut, um, 
and then and I've always loved that album and I still love it but I kind of went started to go off hip-hop a little bit at that time for a while and I kind of didn't listen to anything that came after um, and I kind of ended up dismissing Dizzy as like a, a one-hit wonder um, rather than acknowledging that it was just that I wasn't really into that music at the time and then he released a few singles with um you know dance acts and and people that I didn't really like um and I kind of that just I was like all right so Dizzy did one great album and I'll I won't bother with any more but um you know there was a couple of singles of his own uh you've mentioned one of them and two of them are on here Stand Up Tall and Dance With Me that I didn't like when they came out but I even really enjoyed those this time around um I think you've picked a really good mix in terms of showing like the fun side and the more serious side of his music which is what I thought you were doing with the way you ordered the playlist, I felt it sort of... He was, and don't give him that credit. He was just throwing his foot as well. He had no real thought like at all. not. Um, maybe well, I'm giving him more. Complete was, piss artist. doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but for me, I think Dizzy, you know, you did show that side of it. But for me, I do think Dizzy's at his best when he's when he's just having fun. Um, I think his flow is fantastic throughout. I think it's very, very British. Um, and I think that's another reason I overlooked him for a while, because I think I was... All my, you know, was when I was really into hip hop, it was all US hip hop in the main part. Not so much yeah, now. I love yeah. a lot of UK hip hop now, but um, but yeah, this this playlist kind of showed me that he's a much more consistent and impressive artist that I really had him than I had him down as. So I think you know, it's hard for me to look past the songs I already loved. Um, Fix Up, Look Sharp, Just Just a Rascal, and I Love You, uh, probably still my favourites. Um, but I got into all of it, even the ones that I didn't used to like, and um. Yeah, I think I, I will. It's nice that Showtime's the second album because that's the one I want to listen to next in full because the three tracks that you chose from that I was I was really into. And I even like the sort of stuff at the end with it was a bit more playful, a little bit. Yeah, I think one of them samples something from a musical, doesn't it? And um, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Really, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, all good. Wow. You won. You win, Matt. I'm very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I was, uh, when I put this together, I was messaging and pickybees.com editor uh, go to pickybees.com um uh, sam and yep. he he said and i i pretty much agreed that uh you guys predominantly nick is gonna hate this list really <laughs> really well i'm happy and to so disappoint I'm, I'm glad yeah i'm glad you proved everyone wrong and i, I wasn't sure say, how like, nick would react to it um i because I, I, I do yeah. think maybe um it is the poppier side of hip hop at times, and I, I just yeah, I had a feeling Nick wouldn't be. I didn't think he'd hate it, but I didn't know if he'd be into it. It reminds it me he, talking of the, the Jill Scott earlier. It's like that. It's, it, I feel like it's almost all of it is like smiling through it. There's yeah. like a lot of joy in it, and yeah. that's what carries you through. And I think that's why yeah. I prefer the stuff that's fun with him, even though yeah, I think I his stuff is good. That's why I prefer the stuff that's fun with him because his voice is fun and his his inflections fun, and I think. Mm. That works really well when it's just, uh, you know, I mean, Fix Up Look Sharp and Just a Rascal are just fantastic and, you know, just a lot of fun. And there's a lot of bragging in them and there's a lot of sort of the typical stuff in hip hop. But I think it's, he does it really well. Yeah, yeah. I think he often does it in a more tongue in cheek way than anyone else. And it, like you say, the joy, it feels like he's just bouncing around the yeah, room yeah, while absolutely. singing. Absolutely. With about 300 other people as well. Or a dance yeah. party or whatever, yeah. Uh, but, I w- yeah, I would recommend his his newest release which uh, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, we'll check uh, it out. So I didn't I, listen to it I've when it came that. out just because we were listening to this playlist. I didn't want to get confused yeah. about what was on what, but um, I will check it out. Cool. Right. Cool. Well, we did it. 
Unbelievable. Only for the 36th time did we manage to get through <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's say, you know, Matt just mentioned pickybees.com. Go and check it out. Um, we'll be roughly when this comes out actually we'll be we'll be launching an album of the year tournament on twitter so go and find us uh, at at picky bastards on twitter and, and get get involved you can win some record tokens um nice. yeah and yeah facebook at the picky bastards that's everything yeah so, yeah we want to hear what everyone's favorite album is yeah because I think we all kind of disagree about what it is. Everyone's been right agreeing with me, I'm sure. I'm not going to even reveal what it is, but I, just, I feel confident that every single vote will come in from what I picked. So, I, uh, no way. Not, told I'm, me to that. I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Okay. So we've got to do next cool. time. Yeah, yeah, next time I've uh, put forward uh, the album uh, by Tom Vec, New Symbols, and um, Buster Rhymes' album, Extinction Level Event 2, The Wrath of God. <laughs> I've got um, <laughs> got a laugh at that title. Uh, I've got uh, Gene Dawson's Pixel Bath, and then Conway the Machine from a King to a God, and that's in caps the a God bit. So need to make that clear. Okay. Um, my class, my choice for the classic is Mazzy Stars. So tonight that I might see, and I'm going to be for my Why I Love playlist. I'm going to be introducing a, a very little known artist called uh, David <laughs> David Bowie. Um, some of you may call it Bowie, but I, I call him Barry, but you know you may have heard of him. Huh. Maybe. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in. All right. Cheers. And, uh, see you all soon. Bye. Nice time. Bye.